Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we begin a brand new series entitled, Do You Hear What I Hear?, as we also celebrate the first week of Advent. Leading us in this week's message is our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott. Here he is. Thank you for listening. What a powerful song that was just sang, sung there. I want to thank um, our team for singing that. It's powerful. Isn't it amazing how he came? And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning as we reflect on that great passage from Micah. It's amazing how we came. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do thank you. Thank you for the amazing way that you came. No crown, no jubilant songs, no palace. You came so humbly. And Lord, we remember that. We reflect on that as we now look at your word, because that's how you said you would come. So we thank you. We thank you that we can be in this season together of Advent celebrating Christmas, celebrating what you've done. And Lord, as there's a lot of distractions of things throughout our Christmas season. The music, the presents, the traditions, all the things that we go through, Lord, I pray that we keep focused on you above and beyond what we normally would do. Keep us focused on you. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you speak to us now. I pray that my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and that you impress upon us the message you want us to hear. And that we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's great to be with you here this morning. My name is Jared Ott. I'm the senior pastor. And as you see when you came in and you see in that uh, little bumper video that we're in a new series called Do You Hear What I Hear? You know, it's wonderful. As you go into the commons, you'll see all the decorations. I encourage you to look at the tree. Look really closely at that tree. Because on that tree, you'll see uh, all the songs that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. You know, it's, it's interesting when we go throughout the Christmas season, there is a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things happening once you get in December, right? And one of the things that I know that hits us every year is the Christmas songs, right? All those Christmas songs, they're everywhere. And by December 25th, I'm sure we'll all be sick of all those Christmas songs. In fact, I know my wife loves to play those songs, and I always say, listen, Deb, you can't play those till after Thanksgiving. I refuse. We've got to get through Thanksgiving. So sure enough, uh, on the way home, uh, we were traveling for Thanksgiving on the way home, and we were playing those songs in the car, and it's on the radio, and we were all singing along. We had this great family moment, and I ruined it. Because what had happened was, we were singing these songs, and I was thinking about this sermon. And on, that, uh, on the radio came, we wish you a Merry Christmas, Bing Crosby. And at one point in the verse, uh, Bing says, bring me some figgy pudding, bring me some figgy pudding, it'll bring us good cheer. And I stopped, I turned the radio off, I said, kids, did you just hear what he said? Nobody likes figgy pudding, I can guarantee you that. My kids' faces just went white, I thought my son started crying, I ruined Christmas for our kids. Because I, I looked at that song and I said, there's no way anybody wants figgy pudding for Christmas, no kid would ask for that. But we sing those songs, don't we? They get in our head. Then we... Uh, Came home this week and we saw a, a documentary. My wife had, had, or, or had what, seen something on TV. It was a news clip of a documentary of, of, a, of a concert going on, big concert. And one of the things I noticed was a, a, a secular artist who had s- sing some of the most heinous songs I can think of was out there singing Silent Night. And I turned to Deb and I said, do you really think he knows what he's singing? Because the entire, the, the entire all the crowd was singing it too. I thought... It's amazing that they're all singing Silent Night. And I said, do you think they really know what they're singing? And Deb said, no, it's just tradition. It's just the songs you sing. 
And see, my hope is that as we go through this series, and you'll see, as Pastor Jamie already alluded to this postcard, all the different songs we sing, especially the ones that refer to Christ, my hope is that we actually can sing them with conviction, that we actually think about the words that we sing. Because there's a lot of songs at Christmas time that I would consider ridiculous, right? Now, if I were John Guest, I would sing those songs for you. I know he's up here singing the Beatles, but I'm not going to sing them. So I thought I'd, I'd give you a little snippet, a little snippet of the songs that, that come up on the radio that we don't think about, that, that we hear on the radio. Here's the first one. You'll recognize this. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a hero. Okay, stop it right there. So this song is about this idea, if you've seen The Grinch, is about the fact that we want to be together as a family, right? That it's not about presence, it's about the people we love, right? Except in this song, they're just hurling insults at this guy. Your soul is an appealing dump heap, overflowing with most disgraceful assortment of desplorable rubbish. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. Tell us how you really feel. I mean, the idea of this song is supposed to be about love, but yet we're hurling insults at somebody. Here's another one. I'm sure you'll know it. Go ahead. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. That's enough. That song's about murder. It, it's about a, an animal that mauls a, 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 a grandmother. We sing that song. This next song I have no words for because I'm not even sure I understand it. Hey, ching-a-dee-ching. It's Dominic the Donkey. Okay, yeah, for that one. Oh, I don't want to get that one stuck in our heads. Dominic the Donkey. Apparently Santa couldn't get up the Italian mountains, so he picks a donkey to get up there. Not my first pick. Uh, I thought reindeer could fly, but uh, that's what he chooses, Dominic the Donkey. And then this is one of my... Uh, one of my favorites, I'm sure it'll be for you as well. We hear this song all the time as well. Go ahead. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. And there we go. That's about spoiled children right there. I only want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. And so we sing these songs, and they're gonna, I apologize, they're going to get in your head. You're going to sing them all day. And it's not that we're going to avoid these songs. No matter where you go this Christmas, at some point you're going to hear some of these songs, right? And sometimes we catch ourselves singing them. There's a lot of other songs out there. Santa Baby is about gold digging. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa. Santa Claus is a, about an affair. I don't know what 12 Days of Christmas is even about. I don't understand some of those things. I want to buy Christmas shoes is another one. All these songs... And I thought, you know, throughout this series, as we, I was leading up to this, I thought, you know, we sing those songs and we don't often think about what we're, think, we're singing, do we? I don't know why someone wrote about a reindeer killing a grandmother. I do not know why someone wrote about Christmas shoes or Dominic the donkey or a girl that wants a hippo. I have no idea. But I do know why we sing other songs. And I do know why we sing this next song. You could play that one. powerful song. We sang it here already. 
And I know we sing that song and we'll sing it because we know it and it brings back a lot of memories. But my hope and prayer throughout this series, especially today, is that we can go and as we sing, especially O Little Town of Bethlehem, that we can sing it with conviction because we know where it came from. That we can sing it because we truly believe the message that we're actually singing, right? Because we go through the Christmas season, it's going to come around next year as well. We're going to sing these songs. My hope and prayer is that you walk out really knowing and believing what these songs actually mean. And that we can sing them with heartfelt conviction. You see, a little town of Bethlehem is taken from Micah 5. As we've talked about here many times in the years past, there's many prophecies about Jesus. Over 300 prophecies. That all happened in the Old Testament, 450 years before, as the Old Testaments were completed, before Christ came, these prophecies happened, and 300 of them, and Jesus fulfilled them all. In fact, there was a mathematician who figured out that if you fulfilled just 48 of these prophecies, it would be one chance in 10 to the 157th power, 157 zeros, the chance of one person fulfilling just 48. Jesus fulfilled 300. 300. That's when we know it's true that he's not just a man, that he really is sent from above. That he really is sent here to us. And as we look at Micah, Micah is not one of the many prophecies that we would probably read at Christmas time. We often read Isaiah, and we'll look at some of those other ones throughout the, throughout the weeks to come. And all those songs tie into the scriptures. But this week we look at O Little Town of Bethlehem because we see from Micah, we see from Micah a whole lot of stuff about who Jesus was and where he came from. That's why I love that offertory song that we just sang, how amazing how he came. And that's what Micah talks about. As you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there, Micah 5. Micah is known for prophesying about the Assyrians that were going to come and who were going to um, invade that land. But But right there in that passage, Micah talks about the Savior that comes right there from Bethlehem. And we see three things from Micah. That Jesus came to an unexpected location. That he came from an unbelievable place. That he came for an undeserving people. We look at verse 2. First off, we see that Jesus came to an unexpected location. Verse 2, if you have your Bibles, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel. And you can understand there's two Bethlehems. So they were trying to differentiate which one was which. That's why it's Bethlehem Ephrathah. Bethlehem actually means two different words. The word Beth is the Hebrew word for house. Lehem means bread. It's the house of bread. And it was known for its kind of fertility. It was a very small area, though. But it was known for some very fertile land. We know from the Old Testament a lot of things happened there. This is where Naomi and Boaz and Ruth, them gleaning in their fields. It was in Bethlehem. We know that this is where Jacob buried Rachel. We know that Bethlehem is where David was from. That he could have been in the same field that the shepherds were. That's maybe where he wrote Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. It was a very fertile area, but it was very small. It was very insignificant at the time. In fact, Judah oftentimes wouldn't even claim Bethlehem because it was so small, so insignificant. It was a, it was a, it was a fertile area, but not many people lived there. Nowadays, it's much different. Nowadays, it's occupied by a lot of different people, 40-some thousand. It's also in the West Bank. The West Bank, if you know, if you ever have a chance to travel to Israel, I know many of you have. We took a trip this past spring You'll know when you get into the West Bank. 
Because when you're in Jerusalem, Bethlehem's about five, six miles outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's this beautiful city up on the hill. And I remember being there in Jerusalem. They said, we're going to go to Bethlehem. And I got all excited. Oh, we're going to go to Bethlehem. How fantastic. It's going to be this quiet little place, this cute little town. Nope. We drive out of Jerusalem, and then you've got to go through the West Bank. And so you've got to go through this security area because it's out of, out of limits for Israelis. So you've got to go through the checkpoints, huge walls with barbed wire uh, on top of it. And then you drive through, and you go through the security, and there's, there's graffiti everywhere. There's trash all over the street. I thought, this place kind of looks like a dump. In fact, we were going through there, and there was people all over the place, people in the streets, cars honking, uh, graffiti, everything. And it looked terrible. And I, and I remember looking over at our tour guide and said, is it safe? Because he said, we're going to have lunch here. And I said, is it safe here to have lunch? And he said, well, there's, there's a pretty high murder rate here in Bethlehem. Uh, there's a lot of pickpocketers. Uh, there's a lot of cheats. They're really targeting the tourists. So I looked at him, I said, the answer is no then. You're saying no. You should lead with that. No, it's not a safe place to be. He goes, no, it's safe as long as we just stay together because there's, there's safety in numbers. I thought, that's terrific. It's Bethlehem. This insignificant little place. In fact, in Christianity today, someone wrote, O jailed town of Bethlehem, how eerily still we see thee lie. It's a little town of Bethlehem. So there he is. Jesus comes to this unexpected location. It's not Jerusalem. It's not the city on the hill. It's not a palace. It's not a kingdom. It's Bethlehem. But even the, even the Magi knew about this prophecy. That's why in Micah, Matthew chapter 2, it says this, when he, Herod, had called together all the people, the chief priests and teachers, of the law. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they, the Magi, replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. So this prophecy was famous because it was this little insignificant town. People said, This is where the Messiah is going to come from. Jesus came to an unexpected location, but he also came from an unbelievable place. He came from an unbelievable place. If you have your Bibles, look at verse 2b. In the King James Version, I love this translation because it says this, whose going forth has been from old, from everlasting. So we see right now that Jesus came from somewhere that was everlasting. He came from heaven, which he's, he's Emmanuel, which means God with us. He, did, he wasn't just a man that was born that fulfilled these prophecies. He came because he was God's son. That's why Isaiah 9 is so powerful. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Jesus not only came to an unexpected location, he came from an unbelievable place. He was God's Son, holy, incarnate, to be born here to grow up as a man, to die for us. And that's why we see that Jesus not only came from an unbelievable place to an unexpected location, but he came for an undeserving people. Verse 4. It says, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will re- live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. If you go back to that verse, that last slide, is powerful. 
So many things in there. He will stand. He's not going to sit around. He's not going to lie around. He'll be on his toes alert. He's also going to be their shepherd. He will shepherd their flock. You know, oftentimes throughout Scripture, the Lord is referred to as the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We are looked as the sheep. I got to say, sheep are pretty dumb animals. They have no defense mechanisms at all. They're in the middle of a desert, and they're white. I mean, talk about being prey to victim, being the victims for prey to come. They need protectors. They need a shepherd. And that's exactly what the Lord's going to do. He's going to shepherd us. And it also says right there, it says, He will come in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of his name. Isn't it wonderful to know that the Lord's strength is omnipotent? Omnipotent power. And so when we trust in the Lord, we receive that omnipotent power. That should give us great hope. Knowing that we're trusting him, that that omnipotent power is on our side. And we're like sheep, we trust him as our shepherd. And he shall be great to the ends of the earth. But I want you to notice something too. Because verse 5, it's not in your service sheets. But verse 5, the beginning of verse 5 is also something that you need to recognize. Micah 5, verse 5, of what Jesus will do. It says, and he will be our peace. You know, when we look at our culture around today, we look at the news, we look at what's happening in our nations and the warring with, you know, these different nations and the fighting, and it's, it's everywhere. I often would wonder, how could ever, there ever be peace in this world? How could there ever be peace? Well, guess what? I know the end, and the end is that the Lord wins. The Lord wins in the end. He's going to bring peace to this entire world. And I trust in him in that. But I also know that he's not only going to bring peace to the world, but he brings peace on earth, peace in our own hearts. You see, because of the sin we have, the wages of sin is death. We, we know that from Romans. The wages of sin, we all have sin and come short of the glory of God. We've seen that from Romans 3. And Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we have sin, we're eternally separated from God. There's no peace between God and man. Until something had to pay for that penalty, Jesus Christ, who was born here as a man, grew up and died for us on the cross. That was the penalty. That was what's what brought peace to us in God. For those of us that know and love him, we say, Lord Jesus, I understand I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And that because of my sin, I, I deserve to die and be eternally separated. Thank you for dying for me. I want to put my faith and trust in you. And then all of a sudden that peace is there. And it happens immediate. It happened last night. Like the night. 200 some folks who realized, as Ed Glover was here talking about, the peace that they could have with our Lord Jesus Christ. And they had it, and it was immediate. It wasn't, it's not going to take time for those 200 and some people to be saved. It's immediate. As soon as they prayed that prayer, they're saved. And that's what Jesus' work does. He will be our peace. Micah knew this. Micah knew that he came for us and undeserving people. That's what we see later in Micah chapter 7. It says this, Who is God like you? who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stray, stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have the compassion on us. You will tread, tread our sins underfoot and hurl our iniquities in the depths of the sea. Micah knew that he not only came to an, uh, an unexpected location from an unbelievable place, but he came for an undeserving people. And that's exactly what O Little Town of Bethlehem says to us. We sing that song, 
We sang it already. It's got so much meaning. I don't know why some of those other Christmas songs are written or will continue to be written. I have no idea. I know why O Little Town of Bethlehem was written. It's actually written by a man named Philip Brooks. He was born in 1835. Philip Brooks was a, was a genius by all accounts. He went to Harvard University, seminary in Alexandria, Virginia. He got three honorary doctorates from Harvard, Columbia, and Oxford, England. He was a genius. He wrote one book that is so famous and popular, especially in seminary, it's called The Joy of Preaching. In, in the 1800s, still powerful. He also wrote a book called The Consolation of God. In 1862, he was the rector of the Holy Trinity Church in Philadelphia, and he remained there for seven years. And I want you to think what was going on in the 1800s during that time. The Civil War. In fact, it was known that this author, Philip Brooks, who wrote A Little Town of Bethlehem, preached the funeral sermon of Abraham Lincoln. And after the Civil War, what he did was he had a time of sabbatical. I can imagine the Civil War taking its toll. And so he had a time to get away, to have a study break. And so what he did, as many ministers would do at that time, he said, I'm going to take a trip to the Holy Land. So Philip Brooks goes to the Holy Land. He's torn around the Holy Land, and he decides to get a horse. He borrows a horse, rents a horse. And he's going through the Holy Land and finds himself in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve, 1865. And he's standing there in Bethlehem. And he's so moved, he says this, I remember, I remember standing in the old church of Bethlehem, close to the spot where Jesus was born. When the whole church was singing hour after hour many hymns of praise to God, it seemed as if I could hear voices telling each other of the wonderful night of the Savior's birth. Then he goes, he reads Micah chapter 5, and three years later writes, O little town of Bethlehem. And what I want you to see, what I, what I want you to see, I want you to notice this. He writes, O little town of Bethlehem, follows the same premise of Micah. That Jesus came to an unexpected location from an unbelievable place to an undeserving people. Jesus came to an unexpected location. Look at the first verse of O Little Town of Bethlehem. It says this, O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. O little town of Bethlehem. This little town of Bethlehem. How still we see thee lie, resting silently, Brooks says. So he's there. Can you imagine being there in Bethlehem on Christmas Eve? You probably hear the, the song singing in the church, but I bet it felt very quiet. And there he is. This unexpected little, little town. And he says, listen, all the hopes and fears are there. All the hopes and fears of all the years are met in me tonight. Right there in this little unexpected town of Bethlehem. You know, I often wonder, why did he come to Bethlehem? Why not Jerusalem? And I believe it's because we would be bragging about the fact that he came to Jerusalem, the mighty city of the day. Why was he born in a stable and not like a nice hotel because we wouldn't 
Now we can't brag that he was born in the comforts of a nice hotel. Why was he a carpenter? One of the lowly jobs of the day because we couldn't brag that he was the, a king or a prince. This little town of Bethlehem, he came to an unexpected lo- location and all the hopes and fears were focused. Jesus came to an unexpected location. He also came from an unbelievable place. Look at verse 2 of O little town of Bethlehem. It says for this, For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. O morning star together, proclaim thy holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. Go back to that last slide. You know, I always thought, gathered up above, I always thought the shepherds were watching the sheep. His song is saying, the mortals are sleeping, the angels are keeping watch. In other words, it's not just about the place of Bethlehem is that the angels knew what was happening. Angels from above were looking down. And that's exactly what Brooks is doing. He's saying, listen, don't just focus your eyes on that, on that Bethlehem. Notice that he's coming from somewhere else, something greater, with a greater purpose. The angels keep watch, the watch of wondering love. Oh, morning star together, they proclaim the holy birth. The angels are up there. You can see it now. They're praising God, singing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. The angels are the ones singing because he did not only come to an unexpected place, he came from an unbelievable place. Because we know that there's a bigger picture in mind. There's a greater purpose. It's not just a, a, a child being born in some random little town. That there's a greater purpose happening. That he came from above, God's son, to live and die here as a man. That's why the angels can sing to God the king and peace to men on earth. Jesus came to an unexpected location from an unbelievable place. And then Brooks goes right to the heart of it. He comes for an undeserving people. Look at verse 3. It says, how silently, how silently... The wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Brooks is saying, listen, it's not just about a person. It's not just about Jesus being over there in Bethlehem or up there in heaven. It's about being right here in our own hearts today. God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. An undeserving people, where meek souls will still receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. For those of us that know and love him, we've asked him to come into our life, and it happens immediately, and it can happen for you here this morning as well. Those of us that sing the songs, we go, hey, they have no meaning to us. They don't impart our hearts. We don't think about them as we sing them. I hope and pray that you walk out of your singing, a little town of Bethlehem, because you realize how importantly it is that we ask him to come into our own lives, because he's here for an undeserving people. That's us. Oh, it's so wonderful. so wonderful to be able to sing these songs with full conviction and courage. It's great to be able to celebrate communion here in a moment. I'm going to ask Pastor Marcus to, to prepare our hearts for that. Because we remember, it's not just about his birth, it's about his death on the cross. It's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. It's wonderful. Wonderful to recognize that he's here for us in this time and place. You know, I, I wonder when Micah wrote this, when he wrote this prophecy, if people went, Micah, you've got to be wrong. 
There's no way it's Bethlehem. Maybe it's Jerusalem. Maybe you're close. Maybe it's Capernaum. Capernaum is a beautiful town in the Sea of Galilee. Any place but Bethlehem. This little insignificant town. This little tiny town that's of insignificance. And I think it's because God delights in using the Bethlehems of today, doesn't he? The little insignificant things of life. He uses little people in big ways, doesn't he? Some of us go through Christmas time and it's a hard time for us because we're, we're, we're thinking about the loss of family members or we're thinking about how we've lived our life. We look past our past year and we go, hey, we really haven't done much in life. We're kind of insignificant, kind of weak, kind of limited. And I think this song is going to remind us that, hey, he's going to use little insignificant towns like this because he's here for insignificant, undeserving people like us. That's why Henry Blackaby says, if you feel weak or limited or ordinary, then you are the best material for which God can work. I hope that we can sing a little town of Bethlehem, that it brings us so much hope, that we realize it's not just over there in Bethlehem or up there in heaven, that he's right here in our own hearts. And that's why we can pray this last phrase of a little town of Bethlehem with such passion and such courage and conviction. It says this, the very last verse, O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that we can sing that song with such courage, conviction, knowing that you came to an insignificant town from an unbelievable place to an undeserving people, Lord, we thank you. And Lord, I pray that you be with that maybe one, two, three people in here who never really sang that song with any thought, any thought at all, because it's just words. Help them to realize that they came for you here this morning. That they came into a church service, but they're going to leave with you in their own hearts. And if that's you, it's as simple as praying the prayer, saying, Lord Jesus, I understand I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. My sin is separated from you. I have no peace at all. Lord Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. Wipe me clean. Lord, I want to have that peace with you. I want to have you at the Lord of my own life, in my own heart. Abide in me, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for the fact that we can go through this life knowing that you're with us. Your strength's with us. You guide us because you're right here in our own hearts. Be with us now as we come and remember that and reflect on that as we come to the communion table. And I ask all this in your precious name.